And now we take you to Evangel Assembly of God in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. If I could get a drum roll, please. On September 11th, Sunday morning, September 11th, Coach Bobby Bowden will be here in the house. And he'll be speaking for us. Amen? This morning we're looking at Joshua chapter 6 and we're also looking at Luke chapter 5. You know, faith in God is more than just just believing. It starts with believing, but sometimes real faith in God requires action on our part. We're in a series called Faith for Tough Times. And I want to talk to you today about acting on your faith. See, it's a lot easier just to sit and believe, but real faith in God will take some action before you see God come through on your behalf. Now, I'm I'm really excited that you're here today because I just think that God's got a special word for you today. My prayer is that God would help you to, to not just hear me, but that you'd hear the voice behind my voice, that you'd hear the Holy Spirit. You know, everything that happens to us supernaturally happens because somebody exercised faith in God. Just think for a minute about how you came to faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. How did you become a follower of our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't think many people wake up on Monday morning and say, I think I'll become a follower of Christ today. I think you're a believer today because a friend or a neighbor or or maybe a mother or a father or a sister or brother or somebody shared the gospel with you and began to pray for you. They begin to pray seeds of faith that you would come to know our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it, it may be that that you had a great grandmother a great, great, great grandmother that interceded for you that you've never met and she's never met you. But just perhaps that great, great, great grandmother or great, great, great grandfather stood in the gap and made up the hedge and said, God, I don't want any of my children to miss making heaven their home. I don't want any of my grandchildren to miss making heaven their home. I don't want any of my great grandchildren. I don't want any of my great, great, my great, 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 and my great, 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 great. Aren't you glad? That all of us have a great, 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 great grandfather named Noah. And he had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And the Bible says Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Folks, I'm not standing here today by my own goodness or my own righteousness. My, you know, folks, I deserve hell. I deserve eternity separated from God, but I'm standing here today because somebody stood in the gap and made up the the hedge. Somebody made a difference and allowed God's Holy Spirit to convict my heart and to bring the super supernatural into my life. Think about God's grace and mercy to you. Think about his faithfulness to you. Think about how the Lord took you out of the kingdom of darkness and brought you into the kingdom of his dear son. And most of us came kind of kicking and squalling and protesting, thinking that we knew the best way. Think about the times the Lord has healed you. How many of you say, yeah, the Lord has healed me? Let me just see your hands all over this room. 
Think about the times that God has spared you from a terrible accident. Think about the times that God helped you to avoid financial disaster. Think about the times that God has brought prosperity and blessing into your life. I just want to suggest to you that those things don't happen by accident. They happen because somebody, it may have been you, but it's somebody exercised faith in God. And isn't it comforting to know that throughout every generation, God has got faithful prayer warriors and God has got faithful people of faith who they're not, they're not, you know, they may seem to be a nobody in a lot of people's eyes, but they'll just stand in the gap and make up the hedge and they'll make a difference. Glory to God. See, I thank God for my parents, for, for, for John and Deanie Todd. I, I thank God that, that, well, thank you. Thank you. Harold and Tina McLeod are with us today. And this has got to be your son sitting right here, Harold. Is that right? Are you from Australia? What's your name? Tim. Well, Tim McLeod from Australia. These guys have been missionaries all around the world, especially in the Pacific Rim nations. I'm so glad you saw you. I'm so glad you're here today. And Tim, we're glad you're here all the way from Australia. Amen. And all the rest of you, people I've not gotten a chance to meet yet. But I thank God for mom and dad, and I thank God for their faith. And there was a time that their faith carried me. I thank God for Pastor Tommy Moore, the superintendent of the West Florida District of the Assemblies of God. He, he's, he's a man that I can go to. I call Tommy about every month because I've got some question. I, I need some help with something. And, and Tommy prays for me and prays with me. I thank God for him. I thank God for Pastor Wally Odom, who was our pastor. He and Gwen were our pastors in Virginia Beach for many, many years. In fact, Pastor Wally's been down here, down here to preach for us. But I'm going to tell you something I realized. While as wonderful as all their faith are, I can't live on mom and dad's faith. I can't live on Pastor Tommy Moore's faith. I can't live on Pastor Wally and Gwen Odom's faith. You can't live on my faith. See, at some point in time, all of us have to develop faith for ourselves. Now, one of the primary things that I've learned about exercising faith in God is this. Faith in God is more than just believing. Faith in God involves acting on what we believe before we believe what we're believing for to come to pass. Joshua chapter 6, verse 2. I want you to read this aloud and loudly. Come on, let's raise the rafters in this house. Come on, here we go. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty man of valor. He says, See, I have given Jericho into your hand. Now, it seemed like it would be a slam dunk, right? I have given it into your hand. So Joshua, you can sit around and twiddle your thumbs. And Joshua, you can sit around and get on your phone and check your tweets and your, and, 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 and your, and your text messages. You can go to Periscope and see if anybody interesting has contacted you this morning, Joshua, because I have given this into your hand. I'll tell you something about the promises of God. And there are over 7,000 promises. Every one of them comes with conditions. And there are very few of his promises 
promises that you and I don't have to have some kind of a response to. And Joshua was not in a position just to sit around and twiddle his thumbs. He had to do something. God says, I'm going to give this to you. Joshua had to act on God's word. Now, let's, let's continue reading in verse 3 here. The Lord says, you shall march around the city... All of you men of war, you shall go all around the city once. Then you shall, this you shall do for six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times. And the priests shall blow the trumpets. And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn. And when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout. Everybody say shout. They're going to shout with a great shout. Then the wall of the city will fall down flat and the people shall go up every man straight before him. Now drop down to verse 10 with me. Now Joshua had commanded the people saying, you shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to shout then you shall shout. Now, this is an unusual battle strategy. Here is their strategy. You're going to walk, you're going to wait, and you're not going to talk. You're going to walk, you're going to wait, and you're not going to talk. You're going to get up early every morning, and you're going to walk one time around that walled city and you're going to hear people inside there and they're going to be afraid and they're going to be scurrying around and they're going to have scouts looking down from the from the from the parapets they're going to be looking down at you but you're going to walk you're not going to talk and then you're going to wait all day long how many of you does that sound like fun i'm not very good at waiting on the lord i've learned to do it but I don't necessarily like it because my flesh wants to be active. My flesh wants to make something happen. My flesh wants to be a person of action. But you know, over in Isaiah 40, 31, we read these words. But those who, those who, come on, let's, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They're going to mount up with wings like eagles. They're going to run and not be weary. They're going to walk and they're not going to face. See that the Hebrew word that's here translated wait is kava, and it means to look for something with hope and expectancy. It means to wait hopefully in anticipation and expectation. It does not mean sitting around twiddling your thumbs. It does not mean being so bored that you're getting on Periscope to see what's going on. It doesn't mean that you got time to check your tweets or to check your text. That word, twi- that word wait means to be at attention. How many of you have ever eaten at one of these uh, five-star restaurants? You know, you go into those places and you'll have four or five guys and their only job is to make sure you got water in your glass. I mean, you take one sip and they're, they're pouring some more water and you, you take another sip and they're pouring more and they're, you know, they've got, um, who's got a handkerchief or who's a clean handkerchief at that? <laughs> who's got a, a, a handkerchief I can use? Here it comes. Okay. All right. 
I mean, those guys are. Yes, madam. Can I help you? What can I do for you? And Janet's taking a sip of water. Oh, let me get you some more water. Yeah. What would you like? See, they're not resting. They're not surfing the internet. They're not saying, man, I'm bored. They are waiting. They're standing at attention. They're full of hope. Now, their hope is that you're going to leave a $100 bill on the table when you leave. But dear ones, we're to wait in hope. Thank you. Thanks, Paul. We're to wait in hope and anticipation and expectation that God is getting ready to do something spectacular, that God's getting ready to bring his super to your natural, that you're getting ready to see God do what only he can do. Glory to God. Joshua says, I want you to walk. I want you to wait and know talking now why did joshua think about this why did joshua say army you can't talk here's what i think i think it's because joshua remembered 40 years earlier when he was he and caleb were two of 12 spies that moses had sent out to spy out this same land of canaan and this city of jericho that they're now marching around was one of the walled cities that they had spied out i think he remembered that they had come back and he and caleb said hey we can take the land and the other 10 said no we can't And Joshua says, there's no talking because I'm not going to give you any opportunity to introduce doubt and unbelief into this situation. Look at Numbers 13, verse 27 with me. Numbers 13, 27. It says, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless... The people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. That's the giants. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses. You know, sometimes you got to quiet unbelief in other people. You know, Jesus, before many times before he, he healed people or raised people from the dead, he would send all the, all the people who didn't believe, he'd send them out of the house. Sometimes you got to quiet the atmosphere, and sometimes you got to quiet your atmosphere. Sometimes you get the old devil will come along, and he's the accuser of the brethren, and he will lie to you. He will try to turn you every which way but loose. But I'm going to tell you, you've got authority. Luke ten nineteen. Behold, I give you authority to trample upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm you. Do you receive that authority? Do you receive that authority? Hallelujah. To receive something, what do you have to do? Terry, come here. Here it is. Okay, you got it. That's what you got to do. And I'm going to get that back from you. You know that. 
But that's what you got to do. You got to take it. Behold, you got to say, Lord, I receive the authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And that means that you now have the authority to say, devil, get away in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So Caleb quiets the people and said, let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome. And he said that based on the fact that Moses has said, God is giving us this land. Now, Caleb and Joshua had surveyed the same land that the other 10 spies did. They saw the same giants. They saw the same walled cities. They say they saw the same challenges. They say they saw the same obstacles, but they, and, and, and they didn't deny it. And I want everybody to look at me and open up both ears in your heart and hear this. Real faith in God does not deny that there are challenges. Real faith in God does not deny that there's a problem out there. But what faith in God does, it just says, my God is bigger than this problem. My God is bigger than this heartache, than this challenge. Glory to God. Look at verse 31. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we are. And I've always, I've, in, in, in my margin of my Bible, I've written, yes, but that's beside the point. Yeah, you can acknowledge, hey, they are stronger than we are, verse 32. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out. Folks, a bad report is anything that limits God in your life. A bad report is anything that limits what the Holy Spirit can do. A bad report is when you and I are speaking out of the knowledge of our head instead of out of the conviction of our heart. Psalm 78 verse 40 says this. It says the children of Israel limited the Holy One of Israel. All eyes on me for a minute. You don't want to live your life limiting the Holy Ghost. I don't want to live my life limiting God. Turn to somebody and tell them, I don't want to limit God. Come on, just tell them, seriously. I don't want to limit God. Now look at verse 33, the last verse here. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight and so we were in their sight i've often wondered who told you that you look like grasshoppers in the eyes of the canaanites the devil would tell you that your own inferiority complex would tell you that who who told you see doubt and fear will always give you a grasshopper mentality Doubt and fear will always cause you to lose confidence. Doubt and fear will always assault your own self-image. I just think God's looking for somebody that'll be like young David getting on the battlefield with Goliath. And here's Goliath towering over David and he looks at this young David and he curses him and he says you Hebrews you sent me a boy 
who's got sticks in his hand. I guess he had a had his slingshot in his hand. He's got sticks in his hand. And he continued cursing David. Now, if David had allowed his words to get inside, if he allowed Goliath's words to get into his soul and rattle around in his mind and will and emotions, David might have been filled with fear and might have been backing up. But David, see, we we forget that he had been, remember one of his oldest brother Eliab criticized him. He said, who have you left those few sheep with? Well, what older brother Eliab forgot is that, yes, in keeping sheep, sometimes the lions would attack, and David cared for the lion, and sometimes a bear attacked, and David killed the bear. But Eliab forgot that often you keep a sheep, and there's not a whole lot going on, and David spent his time reflecting on the majesty and the victory and the glory and the awesomeness of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That old Goliath didn't know that. And David looked at Goliath and he says, you come against me with a sword, with a spear, and a javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. When you have a challenge in your life, who do you deal with that challenge? By whose authority do you deal with that challenge? Oh, me, oh, my, I just don't know what we're going to do. Oh, me, oh, my. I thought that political party represented by the donkey had the answers, and then I thought that political party that was represented by the elephant had the answers, and me, oh, my, me, oh, my, me, oh, my. As Vern told me this morning, you need to try the party that's represented by the lamb. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You come against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And this day, he's going to give you into my hand. And I'm going to cut off your head. And I'm going to feed your carcass to the birds of the air and the beasts of the fields. And all the earth is going to know. That there is a God in Israel. Glory to God. I'm not a dog coming to you with sticks. I'm representing the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. Go back to Joshua 6 with me, verse 15. And it came to pass... On the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and they marched around the city seven times in the same manner. And on that day only they marched around the city seven times. Now note verse 16. And the seventh time it happened when the priest blew the trumpets that Joshua said to the people, I want you to shout for the Lord has given you the city. Verse 20. So the people shouted when the priest blew the trumpets. The people shouted when the priest blew the trumpets. Dear ones, I want you to note something. The people started shouting while the walls were still up. 
They got their shout on when the walls looked like they would never come down. They got their shout on when those impenetrable walls that those ten Frady Cat spies 40 years earlier had said, we can never take that. They got their shout on when the walls were still up. And sometimes, dear ones, you've got to step out of the boat. I know Peter gets criticized because he ended up falling into the water. But dear ones, at least he walked on the water. When Jesus said, come to me, at least Peter got up and he put his foot over the side. And at least Peter put one foot on that water and he put a second foot on the water. Come on, he's ahead of me already. He got put one foot on the water, a second foot, a third step, a fourth step, a fifth step. And the Bible says as long as he looked at Jesus, he was walking on the water. But when he got his eyes on the wind... In other words, that's something. You see, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You can't see the wind, but you can hear it. And you can see its effects. And when he got his eyes on the wind, he began to sink. And he says, Master, save me. And immediately, Jesus and Peter were in the boat. Everybody look at me. I would rather be a wet water walker than a dry boat sitter any day. (laughs) Glory to God. Verse 20, so the people shouted when the priest blew the trumpets. Folks, anybody can shout once the walls have come down. (laughs) Anybody can shout and have the victory when the victory is already there. But it takes a man. It takes a woman of faith. It takes a, a teenager of faith. It takes a college student of faith. Come on. When it's the midnight hour. And you've been trying to sleep and you're, and then you can't sleep and your heart and your head are tormented. And the old devil's trying to turn you every which way, way but loose. It takes a man or a woman of faith to arise and say, you know what? I'm not going to shout so loud. I wake up other family members, but I'm just going to shout right now myself. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Jesus is my king. Jesus is my Lord. God's on the throne. He's at work in ways I can't see. I give you glory. I give you praise. And he started letting out a shout. Now, what do those trumpets sound like? They don't sound quite like our trumpets. It was a ram's horn. Come on, you probably do better. Try it. <laughs> Come on, I want to laugh at you. Come on, try it. <laughs> Everybody do it with me. Ba-boo! Okay, now really try. Here we go. Ba-boo! And he says, shout. Some of you got it. Some of you are ready. Others of you are still trying to play the horn. The power is not in the horn. It's not even in the shout. It's in obedience. Come on. Here we go. Everybody, we're going to do the horn, and then we're going to do the shout aloud. Come on. We're going to, let's just ring these rafters all over this house. Here we go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took 
the city. Folks, I want you to notice that they shouted while the walls were up. They acted their faith. Folks, sometimes you just got to act your faith because God loves faith-filled actions. Now, let's look at another story that comes from the New Testament where somebody had to act their faith. And we'll wind this up. Luke chapter 5, verse 18. Luke chapter 5, verse 18. It says, Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and they let him down with his bed through the through the." Uh, tiling into the midst before Jesus. Folks, Jesus is in a house teaching. There are people everywhere. I mean, they're so mashed together. There's so many people in that house that, I mean, it's get, people are getting claustrophobia. There are people hanging out the windows, hanging out the doors, and these four men have a paraplegic friend. He can't walk, and they're bringing him to Jesus, and they've, they've carried him on the cot. They finally get to the house, but there's no way they can get inside. Now, it would have been easy for those guys to give up it would have been easy for them to say at least we tried but they said we're not going to give up they started taking him up on the roof they started taking some tiles off the roof i'm sure jesus probably stopped teaching and looked upside as debris started falling down and before they knew it here came a man on a cot on ropes and they're lowering down to jesus hallelujah Glory to God. Now look at verse 20. It says, when he, when Jesus saw their faith. Now who's he talking about here? When he saw their faith. I think he's talking about the four men, but I also think it took faith for the paraplegic. Would you let yourself be taken on a cot up onto a, a, the roof of a house? Would you let yourself be lowered? Could you be up there and let somebody just lower you down on ropes? Hmm, I don't know about that. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to them, man, your sins are forgiven you. Glory to God. Look at verse 24. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who is paralyzed, I say to you, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Now, now this is worth the price of admission. Please open your heart, open your ears. Here we go. When Jesus told this paralyzed man to arise and walk, the man was still paralyzed. Now, some of you aren't getting it because you're thinking it's like magic. Healing, miracles are not magic. Jesus has already talked about their faith, their exercise in faith. He says to the man, he says, I say to you, arise and walk. He was paralyzed when Jesus said that to him. It would have been real easy for that man to say, Jesus, I'm paralyzed. I can't walk. Why don't you heal me first and then I'll get up and walk. But that's not what Jesus said. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and walk. Listen, faith in God is more than just saying I believe. Faith in God is taking some actions. This paralyzed man had to take some actions. He was paralyzed. He hadn't walked in many, many years, if at all. But I believe 
that he began to make some movement. Sometimes all you can do is start to move. Sometimes all you can do is start to twist is start to turn. I mean, at some point in time, you got to become like Popeye. Popeye said, I've had all me can stands and me can't stands no more. That paralyzed man said, okay, Jesus, you told me to arise and walk. He began to try to, to, to move. And I believe he started taking one step. And then he took another step. And I believe he was probably weak because he hadn't walked in so many years. And he had to get help from others. But he began to walk. And he began to take little tiny haltering steps. And then he took a, a bigger step. And then a bigger step. And then a bigger step. Glory to God. I remember, I remember hearing an evangelist when I was a young man, and this evangelist told the story of, of having contracted a terrible disease as a child, and by the time he was in, he was 14, 15, and 16 years of age, the doctors had said he would die, and one of the things that had happened with his disease is he was paralyzed in his legs. He was a paraplegic. And this evangelist said that he could lay in his bed and the walls in their home were paper thin and he could hear his family members making funeral plans for him. And the doctor would try to encourage him and others. And he said his pastor, they were Baptist people, said his pastor would do the best he could, wanted to make sure that he was born again so that if he died that he'd go to heaven. But he says they didn't believe in healing and he didn't have much to do, so he read his grandmother's Bible, and he began reading the Gospels about Jesus healing the sick and cleansing the lepers and raising the dead. And he said, he remembered thinking, I wish, God, you did that kind of stuff today. I wish you did it today. And then he read Mark 11, verse 22, that says, have faith in God Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatever he saith. And he, and he kept reading it, and it became not just the hope of his head, but it became the conviction of his heart. And he says, Lord, I desire to be healed. I believe that you're the healer. He said he didn't feel healed at that point in time. But he says he made himself move his feet. He made himself start twisting his torso. He made himself roll till he got to the place that he was on the edge of the bed. And he made himself get his feet on the floor. And he knew the last time he had tried that, that he had fallen right on his face. And he got on his feet. And he says, Lord, I believe by your stripes I am healed. And he took a little step. And then he took another little step. And he says, Lord, I believe you. And he says he was so tired there because he had, all he had done for months was lay in bed. And he said he propped himself up with the, with the chest of drawers. And he said, Lord, I believe you. And he took another little step. And then another little step. And then he said he made his way into the kitchen where the family were. And he said he wasn't walking and leaping and praising God at this point. He said he was still taking crippled little steps. But he said with every step, he could feel strength coming into his legs and he could feel strength coming into his body. And he said, Grandma, I'm make me some food. I'm hungry. And he says, I didn't want to sit down. I'd been sitting and laying for way too long. I stood up and I ate and I ate something. I start feeling. 
feeling better. And I'm telling you, when I met him, he could walk as good as you can. He looked like he had never been sick in his life. Because faith requires action. Sometimes I thank God for the anointing. And sometimes we think the anointing is magical that God just sovereignly is doing something. Let me tell you something. God is sovereign. That means he's independent of you and me, but he's not independent of his word. And the Bible says without faith it is impossible to please God, not because God is hard to please, but because God wants to work in your life. He wants to do the supernatural in your life. He wants to use you for his glory. He wants to save you and fill you with his spirit. He wants to use you to lay hands on the sick. He wants to use you to share the gospel. He's got great plans for you, but it takes some faith. Reinhard Bonnke tells a story. And God's given him a, a worldwide healing, miracle, signs and wonders ministry. Reinhard Bonnke says that for many years he was just a very obscure missionary serving under the hot African sun in Lesotho, which is a, a country inside South Africa. And he said it was so hard to minister. He says they'd get a few people saved here and there. But he says if they ever had over 50 people in church, he thought the Lord had come back. And so he began praying. He wanted to see God move in power. And so he and some more pastors, they invited a well-known evangelist from the United States, a man with a healing ministry. They invited him to come for two services, a Saturday night service and a Sunday morning service. And they, they made up handbills and they sent people all across Lesotho saying, signs and wonders, healings, deliverances, the power of God in manifestation. He said the people believed in voodoo. They believed in the dark supernatural. He wanted them to believe in Jesus. And the people came. He says on Saturday night that church was full. He said the American pastor or evangelist preached, but he says something just seemed to be wrong. He never prayed for the first person. It says after he preached, he just closed the service down. And Reinhardt said, but you can't leave. You, you, you haven't prayed for anybody. And Reinhardt Bonnke turned to the crowd. He looked at crippled people and blind people and deaf people. And he said, he said, come tomorrow. We'll minister to the sick tomorrow. Reinhardt Bonnke said he took the evangelist to his hotel and the next morning early, he went by the church, and to his amazement, it was absolutely full. He said there were people hanging out the windows. They're so excited. And Reinhard Bonnke said that he then went to the hotel to pick up the evangelist, and to his shock, the evangelist was standing in the lobby with a suitcase in his hand and says, I've just called for a taxi. I'm leaving. And Reinhard Bonnke said, you can't. The church is full of people. And the evangelist says, I'm leaving. The Holy Spirit told me to leave. And Reinhard Bonnke said, with a heavy heart, he got into his car and began driving to that church. When he got there, he told the, his African pastors that were on staff, he says, I'm going to preach today and God's going to do miracles. And he says, and the African pastors began to laugh and says, God doesn't use you like that. Huh. It's not going to happen. Please don't get up there and try to preach. Reinhard Bonnke says he got up and says God anointed him like he had never been anointed before. And God spoke to him and says, Reinhard, the miracle is not in what you say, but he says, your, my word in your mouth is just as powerful as my word in my mouth. And he said he heard the Holy Spirit say, 
I believe God is going to heal some blind people here. And he said he knew there were six blind people in the congregation that morning. And he said, in just a minute, he says, by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to be healed of your blindness and you're going to see, you're going to see a white man standing up here on this, on this platform. And he says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, by the authority of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, I command blindness to leave and I speak sight. And Reinhardt said it was like a bowl of lightning came down and hit that congregation. And a lady over on his right-hand side began screaming, I can see, I can see, I can see. And she began pushing people aside, and she made her way to the front. She said, you all know me. She says, I've been blind for four years. She says, somebody bring me something to read. I can read it to you. She says, God has healed me. And Reinhard Bakke said that place went crazy. There was a woman who was trying to bring her little boy who was crippled, who couldn't walk. She was trying to bring him to the front, and she began passing him. She couldn't get up, so she began passing him between the people. And somebody came and put this little boy in Reinhardt Bunke's arms. And he said he was holding this little boy, and he saw how crippled his legs were. And he simply said, in the name of of Jesus Christ of Nazareth by the authority by the authority of almighty God and he said he felt a vibration in the little boy's legs and he said he put the little fella down and the little boy began to walk and before it was over with the little boy was running all over See, faith in God requires some audacity. Faith in God requires that you learn to take some steps of faith. And those steps of faith may be outside of your comfort level. But I got good news for you. You want to know what it is? Everybody look at me. You are up to it. I said, you are up to it. Hallelujah. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and His church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 1030 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.